Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello, everyone. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here. Thanks for being here today. Glad to see everyone on this 4th of July weekend. And if you're joining us online, thanks for joining us online as well. So we're going to start off today's message like we have the last several with a top 10 list. This is part of our summer series. So how many of you here need a vacation? Okay. Just, so, wow, you guys are, some of you are pretty rested. I'm glad to see that. Um, I think I could still use a vacation. I went on one, but I could use another one. And so what we're going to do is we're going to list the top 10 uh, vacation spots in the United States, according to planetware.com, uh, there was actually several of these lists. This is just the one that I kind of agreed with. Um, and what I want to do is have you raise your hand if you've been there, because if you want to go there, notice the person who raised their hand so you can ask them more about it, okay? So top 10, number 10 is Portland, Maine. How many of you been there? Yep, few hands up, few hands up. Uh, number nine, Sleeping Bear Dunes in Michigan. How many have been there? Oh, man, you guys got to go out more, you know, like it's just north. It's really pretty up there. Um, number eight, Jekyll Island, Georgia. Has anyone been there? Oh, yeah, a few of you. Okay. Is it nice? Yeah. It's what? It's quiet. That's what it looks like. It looks like it's quiet. It's kind of a, a state park, really pretty looking. Uh, number seven is Grand County, Colorado. Anyone been there? I just want to go there because look how pretty that is. Man, oh, man. Um, nobody's been there, so we should all put that on our vacation list. I don't know. It's Colorado. That's where it's at. Uh, number six, Outer Banks, North Carolina. How many have been there? That's pretty fun. It's a pretty nice place to vacation. Um, some of you are looking around and going, they go on a lot of vacations. Uh, I want to go. I want to be like them. Number five, Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Anyone been there? None of us. Oh, uh, kind of. Yeah, we have a few over here. A few went over to Cape Cod. Looks really nice, too. Uh, number four, Yellowstone National Park. Quite a few. Quite a few been there. Number three, Door County, Wisconsin. Anyone been there? Yeah? I actually want to go there. Rose, I want to go there because that's just drivable. We can get up on there. Looks really nice. Uh, number two, Mackinac Island. Okay, yeah, a few of us been there. And guess what number one is? Let me hear you. Grand Canyon. Yep, number one. You guys know it. It's Grand Canyon. Yep, how many have been there? So we're doing this, uh, these top 10, is to introduce the series, which is called Top 10, a study of the Ten Commandments, because God created the original top 10 list, and it was the Ten Commandments, the 10 things that were most important to him. And so this summer, we're actually going to study the Ten Commandments. We have uh, spent the last four weeks um, preparing to talk about the Ten Commandments. I call it the history of the world, part one, two, three, and four, over the last four weeks. But I, I promise you today, today we will actually talk about uh, some of the commandments. In fact, we're going to talk about two of them today. So just a uh, little bit of review, and you can turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 19. That's where we're going to get started. And uh, you can use a smart device as well to follow along, but we're going to be walking through several scriptures in Exodus. 
but just to review, we started with Adam and Eve. We talked about Abraham and Sarah. We talked about Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. And we talked about Moses and the Exodus from Egypt. Uh, we talked about going through the Red Sea. And now the children of Israel are on the edge of the wilderness. They're approaching Mount Sinai. So that's where we're going to, to uh, pick up today. Exodus 19, verses 1 and 2, says this. On the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Now, we don't know exactly where Mount Sinai is, but we know it's on the Sinai Peninsula. And the Israelites had marched there around 60 days. It was the first day of the third month, so it had been about 60 days since they left Egypt. There's one and a half to two million of them, and they approached this mountain. Now, God has been leading them with a, a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night, and he rests on this mountain, and they approach it, and they see clouds and smoke and thunder and lightning, and they also hear this huge trumpet blast. So Moses goes up the mountain, and he receives some initial direction from God. Now, this will be the first of many times today that we read that Moses went up and down this mountain. So he goes up this mountain, has a conversation with God. He tells them to, to prepare themselves because God's about to speak to them. So starting in chapter 20, verse 1, it says this. And God speaks all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth below or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments." Um, if we would continue to read that chapter, we would see the next eight commandments, but we're going to save that for the upcoming weeks. But then, at the end of all of that, um, the people are afraid of hearing from God. So we're going to jump down to verse, verses 18 and 19. It says, When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself, and we will listen. But do not have God speak to us, or we will die. So they, they heard these Ten Commandments from God himself, and they're terrified. They're afraid, and they say, Moses, you go talk to him. We're afraid. We don't want to hear from God ourselves. Okay, and so Moses says, you know, it's probably a good thing that you're afraid of God. That means you're going to obey his commandments. So then, uh, in verses 22 through 23, Moses went back up, and he says this to him. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites this, you have seen for yourselves that I have spoken to you from heaven. Do not make any gods to be along me, alongside me, and do not make for yourselves gods of silver or gods of gold. So, God 
restates the first two commandments. He says, no other gods and no other idols. So these are pretty important to God. I mean, we can, we can see that. Not only are they the first two of ten commandments, but he restates them and says, remind the people, no other gods and no idols. Make sure that they know that. So uh, Moses goes back up on the mountain, and he then receives dozens of other laws from God for the people to obey. Laws about Hebrew servants, and these are the next several chapters of Scripture here in Exodus. Um, laws on personal injuries, laws on social responsibility, laws of justice and mercy, laws about Sabbath and keeping the Sabbath, and about holy festivals. He then descends from the mountain. Okay, so you get this. He's kind of going up and down the mountain. And he describes all of these laws and tells the people about them. Now listen to the response in Exodus chapter 24. You can jump over to 24, verses uh, 3 and 4. When Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice, everything the Lord has said we will do. And Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. So they respond and say, whatever God says to do, we're going to do it. We're afraid of him. We see him. He took us out of Egypt. We're going to follow him no matter what. Moses wrote down these, these commands in what's called the Book of the Covenant, which is recorded here in Exodus. And so then God calls Moses to go back up on the mountain. This time he takes Joshua with him. So Moses and Joshua go up the mountain, and God gives him the instructions on building the tabernacle, how to worship him. He also then took the Ten Commandments, and he carved them into stone, into two stone tablets, and gave those to Moses. This time, Moses and Joshua are up on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Okay, so they're up there a long period of time. So the people down below who had just sworn allegiance to follow God, uh, they become anxious because they haven't seen Moses for several weeks now. So listen to this, what happens in chapter 32. You can turn there. Verses 1 through 6. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. I mean, just like that, they quickly turn away from God. And then Aaron, who is going to become the high priest, certainly responds with wisdom, right? That's not what happens. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then he said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord, not Lord God, but to Lord Calf here. So the next day, the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down 
to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. I mean, it's only been, it was 60 days since they left Egypt. And then it's, he was on the mountain for not even 40 days yet. Maybe it's 30, 35 days. And they quickly gave up in following God. Just like that. Now, it doesn't go unnoticed by God, though. So we'll continue in verse 7. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. That's just like me when the kids were being naughty. I always say to Rose, I said, your kids, your son, your daughter. It's kind of like that. God goes, man, they're a mess. So these are your people, Moses. These are your people. He says, they have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made, for them, made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I've seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. So God is so angry at this point. I mean, he's told them once. He's told them twice. It hasn't even been six months. It's just been a few months since they left Egypt. And he's like, I'm done. I'm done. Moses, I'm going to kill them all, and we'll start all over with just you. We'll, we'll have like a nation come from you, just like I said that for, from Abraham, and, and we'll kind of start all over. Now, thankfully, Moses talks God out of it. He talks him out of it. So if you ever think that we have no sway with God, you're wrong. I mean, this is one example of how we can change God's mind. And so Moses pleads with God, and he decides not to destroy everyone. So Moses descends the mountain and sees this huge party going on. And our last scripture for today is uh, verses 19 and 20 from 32. It says, When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. And he took the calf the people had made and burned it in the fire. Then he ground it to powder, scattered it on the water, and made the Israelites drink it. Doesn't that sound like something a dad would do? Right? <laughs> Grind it up. You're going to drink this now. You know, I mean, so that was their immediate discipline, but it actually got worse than that. He, he took the, the Levites, gave them swords, and told them to go through the camp, and they killed 3,000 people, were killed that day. And God said, that's not enough. And he sent a plague, and we don't know how many more people, probably thousands more died that day. So the people, they finally get it. I think they're afraid of God. They're afraid of doing the wrong thing. And so Moses ends up going back up the mountain another time. I don't know how many times that's been now. And uh, he's up there for 40 days and 40 nights. And this time, God tells Moses, you write the Ten Commandments on the tablets because you broke the last one, so it's, this is your turn. So Moses writes them up on tablets. He comes back down, uh, teaches the people how to build a tabernacle. They build a tabernacle, and then the glory of the Lord shows up. This is the beginning of the Israelites carrying a tabernacle with them and God showing up in the tabernacle. And so from there, 
they leave the mountain and they head towards the promised land. And that's a story for another day. So today, though, we're going to focus on the first two commandments. You shall have no other gods and you shall not worship idols. So our title today is just simply No Other Gods. And I'm going to give us a couple of thoughts from those first two commandments. But first, let me pray. Father, um, I really believe that this is a message you want us to hear today. You know our propensity, because we're really no different than the children of Israel, to quickly turn away from what we know to be true. And I also know that we have an enemy that will blind us and make us uh, see things that aren't true and deceive us. So Lord, I pray that you would remove the blinders today that you would open up our hearts and minds to receive from you, and Lord, that you would speak to us about these first two commandments. Holy Spirit, come, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, first thought is that God wants all of our affection. He wants all of our affection. Exodus 20, verses 1 through 3 say, And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of this land of slavery, you shall have no other gods before me. And verse 5 says, For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. So in those first two commandments, God is simply saying, Remember who I am. I'm the God that brought you out of Egypt. I parted the Red Sea. Therefore, you shall have no other gods, because I am a jealous God. God does not want to share our affection. He does not want to share our affection. He deserves our full affection. I mean, he is our deliverer. He is our savior. He is the creator of all. God deserves our full affection. Now today, you know, we're in America and there aren't a lot of like Hindu gods around that we worship. So I think it's difficult for us to understand how does this apply to us today? But I believe that the reality is is that many things in our lives can become gods to us. I really do. If you're married, see, I believe that your spouse can become a god to you. If we try to please our spouse more than we try to please God, see, that's when our spouse can become a god to us. Our children can become a god to us. If we try to serve our kids more than we try to serve God's, See, we're getting things out of order. I also believe that our jobs can become a God to us because if we sacrifice more for our jobs than we ever would for God, then you can see things are out of a line. God does not want to share our affection. He's making it very clear. You shall have no other God. So here's a question we can ask ourselves It's do I prioritize anything or anyone above my relationship with God? Because the reality is, is that anything that we love on this earth can become a God to us. Now, God wants us to love our spouses. God loves, I mean, wants us to love our kids. He wants us to love our jobs. He wants us to enjoy this life. It's just when they become too high elevated that they begin, they start to contend with our relationship with God. That's when it becomes a problem. Let me give an example from, uh, from marriage. So this is something that someone taught me 
a long time ago to kind of do a, um, a health check with your marriage. So this is for husbands. So men, if you ever want to know how you're doing in your relationship with your spouse, simply ask them this question. Just say, do you feel, you're saying this to your spouse, that you are the most important person in the world to me? You just ask them that question. And I'll ask this question, and, and if they respond, yes, I feel like I'm the most important person to you. There isn't anyone or anything more important. Then you're doing pretty good. But if they respond and say, you know, I haven't felt very important recently, then you know that you're in trouble. <laughs> you got some work to do. Now notice, I didn't say, ask yourself the question, do I feel like I'm treating my spouse like they're number one? Because it really doesn't matter what you think. It's what the other person thinks in your marriage. And I would say that that's similar in our relationship with God. It doesn't matter what we think and whether or not we think we're putting God number one. God knows if we're putting him number one. So we need to ask him. Because God will speak to us. That's one of the things I love about God is that he will speak to us. And so for me, what that means is when I go for a walk, I usually do this on Mondays. I'll go for a walk uh, in a park somewhere, and I'll just talk to God. But I'll ask him the question. I'll say, God, am I putting you number one? Do you feel like I'm putting you number one? And sometimes God will say, yeah, man, I, I feel like you've been you know, loving me and prioritizing me. And other times... I'll remember other things in my life. I'll think about the car that I was trying to buy, or I'll think about football, <laughs> or I'll think about my job. I'll think about the church. God will remind me of things that I have been elevating and prioritizing above God. Because remember, our God is a jealous God. He doesn't want to contend for our affection, and he deserves our full affection. And we can ask him, and he'll reveal to us how we're doing. You can write this down. Anything that captures our heart can become a God to us. It's really just kind of a warning. Just to recognize that we have to keep people and things in their place, and that's below God Almighty. Because our God is a jealous God. That's point number one. God wants our, all our affection. Number two, God wants all our confidence. All our confidence. Let me explain this. In Exodus 32, verse 1, it says, When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So at that moment, when the Israelites decided to have idols made, they felt like they were in trouble. They felt like Moses had abandoned them. And so what they did was they said, let's go ahead and make an idol so that we can worship the idol, we can sacrifice to the idol, and then maybe the idol will guide us, and maybe the idol will protect us. That's what they did with idols. They put their confidence in a piece of wood covered in gold or a piece of rock 
whatever it might be. Here's an example of one of the idols that the people of Israel and the neighboring countries worshipped. It was Moloch. Um, and this one was detestable to God because part of the worship of Moloch was to sacrifice their babies as burnt offerings uh, to this God. You can take that down. But they would do that because they wanted Moloch to protect them, to, to give them wisdom, to bless their crops, you know, all of those things, to give them direction. So an idol is anything that we trust more than we trust God. You see that. When we, when we start to trust something else besides God, when we put our faith in something else besides God, then it can be an idol to us. Many of us don't have idols, little Buddhas or whatever, in our houses that we, we worship in our country. But I would say this, there, many of us have things in our lives that we go to first before we go to God. And we have confidence in things in our lives that we go to and trust in before we put our faith and trust in God. And God is simply saying, you shall have no other idols. You shall have nothing else that you put your trust in more than me. God wants us to go to him first. So here's some ideas, some thoughts of idols um, that, that can be idols to us. You know, one is our good luck charms. I mean, some of us have, like, we have that, that lucky T-shirt or we have that, I don't think we have lucky rabbit's foot anymore, right? We don't do that. I don't think so. It's kind of gross. Um, but, we, you know, we have these little things. You know, we knock on wood. We, you know, we do these little, you know, have these charms and things that we think bring us good luck. And God would say, you know, that can be an idol to you. If you're trusting in that over trusting in me, that can be an idol. Here's another thing is our strength. You know, we think we can just do this. Whether it's our internal fortitude or our physical strength, we're like, I don't need God to intervene. I don't need God because I can do this on my own. That can become an idol to us. A second one is our wisdom. Another one, a third one is our wisdom. So we don't ask God for help because we can figure it out. We're smart enough. We got this. And so we don't even bother Trusting God in decisions because we think, I got this. That can be an idol to us. Our money, fourth one. You know, I've been to a lot of third world countries on mission trips, and one of the things I recognize right away is that they don't have money to trust in, and so they have a huge amount of faith to trust in God. And I've watched them trust in God. I've watched them do all-night prayer meetings just so that they have food the next day. And God always comes through for them. See, our money in America leaves us in a place where we trust our bank accounts. We trust our paychecks. We trust our ability to make money in this country. And so we don't trust God like we should. So our money can become an idol to us. Another one is our government. That's been kind of a hot topic the last few years. But we can trust our government to take care of us, whether it's through social security checks or it's through our, the army or it's through 
the elected officials, the police, the firemen. And so we just say, we trust the United States government more than we put our trust in God. And that can become an idol to us. And lastly is our friends and family. Some of us, when we are in need, our first response is not to go to a God who said, you shall have no other idols. I'm here for you. We go to friends or we go to family. Now, the reality is that God wants to use all of these things we talked about. He wants to use friends and family. He wants to use our finances. He wants to use our wisdom and our strength to bless us. But we can get them in the wrong place. And we can start to trust them more than we trust God. And when we do that, that's when it becomes an idol. Because, guys, here's your last feeling. Our God is trustworthy. He doesn't want us to put our confidence in anything else but him. Because our God is a jealous God. I'm going to invite Emma to come up here. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofinner.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.